Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what did we talk about today? Today we had a special guest. That's right. We had the CEO of the Wilsonville Chamber of Commerce, Kevin Farashi O'Malley. We talked about leadership. He talked about why his last name is hyphenated. And told us all about what's going on in Wilsonville. All that and more on another exciting episode of the Refreshing Edge podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Refreshing Edge podcast, hosted by Megan and Nicholas DeSalvo, about what businesses go through when branding, developing creative, and marketing their business in an ever-changing digital climate. It's also about leadership, company culture, building community, working with your spouse, and whatever we feel is important to share with you today. You might know Megan as an amazing wife, incredible mother, thespian, entrepreneur, co-owner, and creator of opportunities at Edge One Media, and volunteer for every nonprofit organization that exists in Portland and maybe beyond. You might know Nicholas for his love of coffee, tennis, watches, video games, and all things Portland. Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what's on our agenda today? Today, we have a special guest with us. That's right. We have Kevin O'Malley from the Wilsonville Area Chamber of Commerce. Yes. And he's going to talk with us about all kinds of things that are happening in Wilsonville. And uh, I'm particularly excited to talk to him because I know um, he's been doing a lot of stuff in the business community in Wilsonville recently. Yes. After we started our leadership series, we decided we were going to interview our local chamber executives. And uh, Kevin so graciously accepted to be our guest today. Yeah. So, Kevin, thank you so much for being here. Why don't we start by you telling us who you are, what you do, and why it is important. Good day, Kevin O'Malley, Wilsonville Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I have the distinct pleasure of being the CEO, Chief Bottle Washer, and uh, general uh, person that tries to say, how do we uh, keep all of economic prosperity happening in the Wilsonville area? And so, yeah, you're the uh, the CEO of the Wilsonville Chamber of Commerce. Right on. Uh, what's, what is it that makes your chamber unique? So there's a saying in the chamber world that you've seen one chamber you've seen one chamber. Uh, so we, we all uh, are about economic development and jobs. Uh, we all uh, represent the, uh, and advocate for the interests of business to the government. And we're about the, you know, we're about economic development and prosperity and jobs. You know, it's about growth. And for a small business, that might mean promotion. For a large business, it's, you know, helping them with workforce. The nature of Wilsonville, because of this, uh, we have a billion dollar payroll. So uh, we have small businesses, we have medium-sized businesses, and then unique, uh, we have some very large businesses with very large payrolls. Uh, Wilsonville, like Tiger, Dwalton, Sherwood, Westland, Canby is a suburb, but unlike them, we have our own transit system and we have our own water district. And so there's a little more of a sense of uh, small town, uh, yet major payroll. So. When it comes to our culture and, and our differences, one of the things that we focus on as a, as a chamber is about, um, you know, how do we deliver on relevant benefits to our members uh, that are often very unique and very varied. So it makes for a real interesting challenge. And I think that uh, what I'm most proud of is that we have a board of, of volunteers that's uh, really on the same page together and uh, uh, makes my job a lot easier because they're uh, great for uh, sounding boards, they're great for support, they're great for challenge. So we have a really great leadership group that's trying to make a difference in their community. 
Uh, and so it's building business and building community. So it's a really fun place to do business and uh, interesting times with like everyone with COVID-19, but you know, that's kind of where we are today. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, and how does your chamber reflect its community? You know, when, when uh, I kind of alluded to it, Making it a little bit in that it's a very diverse community in terms of the types of businesses that we have. So, you know, we have Swire, which is uh, uh, the Coca-Cola. Uh, they're very uh, supportive of the community. Um, you know, they have upwards of 600 jobs. So it's a, a really important part of our community. So we have manufacturing, we have industrial, we have distribution, and, uh, you know, we have lots of, of service. One of the things that's very unique because we're a little younger community is that uh, we have a really vibrant medical, um, uh, a lot of young uh, doctors uh, that have started a practice. So whether it's physical therapy, naturopath, dentist, chiropractors, and it's, uh, it's really fun to watch them step into uh, not only being the uh, healthcare professionals, but uh, also embrace you know, running a, uh, an actual business as a practice. So it makes it a little bit unique because of the size of the community and the age of the community. What do you uh, what do you admire about leadership in your city? You know, it's uh, we just had some. You know, so th this is this is being taped in in uh, in June, the end of June, and this has certainly been a um, a very uh, important month for you know for us as a nation, and and I think mirrored in the community. So while we are out in the burbs, uh, was proud of the fact that uh, the community did say, wait a minute. Uh, there has been something important that's happened relative to justice. So it was very peaceful. Um, there were multiple, you know, voices raised. And I think it speaks to the fact that while we are a kind of small town, um, there's still a reality that we live in a, you know, in a much, much bigger pond. And, you know, there's a, there's a real question about where we're moving forward to. And I think when you look at, uh, when you look at leadership, whether it's the leadership of our business community and our chamber, um, I, I learned a long time ago being in business for myself for many, many years that change doesn't care if we are ready. So right now uh, we had COVID, uh, we have a very important justice issue to deal with and uh, we either adapt uh, and uh, figure this out or uh, we get left behind. What, so how are, you know, we're, we're as you said, we're in June. Um, and we've gone through um, a pretty big shock in the last few months where, um, you know, we're in a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, our economy has suffered maybe the worst shock in its history. Sure. Um, there is tremendous civil unrest about uh, a number of <clears throat> societal injustices. Mm -hmm. What is it like in Wilsonville right now? So um, we have uh, our, our board at our planning session the uh, fourth quarter of last year, uh, we've talked a lot about building business and building community. And the building community part is building community among our businesses, which is where we started with that, that statement. But it's also building community within a broader, more, more uh, traditional way, which is our residents. And so we set up a group uh, in January, just quietly launched a Facebook page called We Are Wilsonville. And we hand selected a 10 business people from around that had, uh, that would represent a microcosm of our, of our city. 
And the goal of this was to kind of quietly spend a year, you know, kind of having a dialogue and a conversation about how do we principally as business people better connect with our community? Because there have been quite a few businesses that would say, hey, I got five people that want to give back to the community. What do we do? And we have great service organizations like Rotary and, and Heart, of, Heart of the City. But, you know, beyond that, there's and, and we'd have nonprofits show up at chamber meetings, but there was really no overall um, how do we connect these businesses? So that was the point of We Are Wilsonville. We scheduled our first meeting. Uh, we thought we'd have it at the end of March and then COVID hit and we said, now let's get together now and start having a conversation. So what was interesting is that that first meeting, um, there was the expected conversation about small business because they're all business people. How are we gonna react to COVID and what the impact on business? But interestingly enough, there is an immediate question like, what's our safety net look like for our, our community and those that, that we may not see as business people? Uh, the third was what's happening with schools. And these were business people again. Uh, and the last was uh, an interesting one, which was, hey, we understand our city reasonably had to cancel everything. All our summer contests, or excuse me, summer concerts, all the activities, fun in the park were gone. We think, because many of them are, live in, and work in Wilsonville both, said there's a real need to bring something together. So the thought was, hey, let's have a, uh, a Fourth of July celebration. And the natural thing was, let's have a parade. Well, in a world that's COVID-19, in a world that three, four weeks later, we had justice issues, the whole nature of what a parade could be or should be or how to be was just like, wow, okay. We set the group up not to have any politics involved, but in a world that we live in today, that's virtually impossible. <laughs> and it was just like, we don't have a parade, but there's all this. So, you know, we, so when in, a, in an example, there's kind of, you know, the community. So, you know, we're responding as business people and citizens yet, you know, so we don't take off our business hat and stop being citizens any more than citizens can sometimes put on the business hat that we wish they would understand where we sit. So it's been a very interesting, uh, we are, uh, we'll have our meeting uh, uh, tomorrow night and we've ended up not being able to do the parade because of, of uh, where we are in the governor's guidelines and being able to, uh, to effectively pull that off, plus some, you know, some ODOT considerations. But we ended up as a group coming up with some really cool stuff to do virtually. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate and live stream one of the neighborhood parades and, you know, we'll have lots of celebrations. So it's just, again, it's business people kind of pragmatically say, okay, here's where we are. Here's where we want to go. How do we get there? What are our options? And I, and I think that that culture of innovation um, is what we try to do as a chamber. And I think it mirrors, um, I think it's always been a case where the city decided to have its own transit system way back 30 years ago, I guess it's now, a little over 30 years ago, because they said, hey, this, this isn't responding to us. Let's go ahead and do it. So I think there's a, a very good example of the community just saying, let's go make some stuff happen. And I'd like to believe that we as a chamber are, you know, um, are, are helping to lead that. That's great. I think, um, you know, more chambers should try to connect with their community in ways other than business. And so I, I think it's fantastic that you have uh, piloted this program and, and I look forward to seeing um, what comes from it. So um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be following it for sure. Cool. I, you know, I think it's really interesting that business, you know, the business community, everything is so interconnected. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, business starting to think about education. Education is, is, you know, like it, it has tremendous effect on how we do business in the world. 
you know, with, with students graduating in whatever their skill sets are, but also yeah. just the, just having schools for our kids to go to every day. Right. is something, you know, that I, I certainly have, uh, uh, taken for granted, I think. Well, and, I, I couldn't agree with you. We, you agree with you more than this. In fact, we had several other parents who said, can the chamber do anything about online learning? I don't know if I can go back and fall again and have my children that we love still in the house. Is there anything we can do to help? And I go, yeah, don't know that we can, but thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, having kids in the house has a tremendous effect on how we do business. Yes. You know, we know we have not a nine-year-old and a six-year-old and they're just around all the time. Right. Well, and we had our first, uh, one of our board members had, uh, um, had, had just recently had a baby and we were having our board meeting. So we had our first uh, six week old ever come to a board meeting, but it was Aww. because it was, it was Zoom. That wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for Zoom. And it was just like, everybody's super excited and it's a totally different experience as a business group, you know, to have a, a, a little one uh, uh, in, the, in the room. So yeah, we have lots of, of uh, new, nor new normals. And then uh, I read something from Accenture and they, they coined the word uh, never normal. So we are in a world that's never normal. And, you know, I think that's really what we're talking about is change is happening. It's always happened. And we've just had a more dramatic, you know, wake up call that, you know, thing things are quite a bit different. So yeah, we're and we're all figuring it out uh, as we go. And you know, what's true today may not be true tomorrow or in a few hours, you know, it's the, you know, the density of um, changes, innovation is incredible. Well, and, 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 you know, our, uh, we have a uh, South Metro Young Professional Group that, that uh, um, we have a wonderful relationship with the Tiger Chamber, the Walton Chamber, uh, that, that work with us on that. And it's interesting that the, the millennial generation, you know, they, they, there's a lot written about it. And, and now, uh, I'm sorry, what is the generation after millennial? It's Z, it's the generation Z, I think. I think yeah. that's right. And, and when you think about what they're growing up with and um, what this is impacting relative to, uh, our, our uh, oldest is expecting you know, their first child. So it's gonna be born in August and you know, we're talking about a COVID baby that just has all kinds of, you know, of ramifications. So they're both home, uh, both professionals working from home and now you will have a baby at home as well. And so the whole nature of how they interact with their jobs, they're committed professionals and very successful, but you know, parenting takes on a whole different, uh, in, mm -hmm. a, in a pandemic. And how do our businesses uh, react to that? We had a, I'm trying to remember who it was that was uh, speaking on remote working. Um, I don't remember who the source was, but it was a credible source. They said in, at the start of this year, they believed that if you, the number showed that 80% of workers expected to work in an office and 20% were expecting and wanted to work remotely. It's all great. And they believe now by the start of next year that it could be as soon as next year, certainly by the end of next year, that'll be completely flipped. That 80% of the people will choose to want to work remotely and only 20% in the office. Well, when you look at what that impact is on not just the business trying to manage that, uh, with remote teams and culture and all those kind of things. But now you start saying, well, what does that mean for all our developers and, and property owners? And, you know, what, what, what are we going to, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's interesting times. I, you know, I just think that, uh, 
um, you know, my wife is my beautiful bride of 40 years has said, you know, I'm not happy if at least I'm a couple steps out on the plank or right next to it. And I go, I don't need to be next to it. I, I like to know where it is, but I do like being out there. And I think that innovation again of being adaptable and, and creative and, and trying to encourage that, you know, that we celebrate the change, you know, we don't go looking just to mess things up and not execute. But mm -hmm. how do we realize that we're moving to a new place and what does it look like and how do we um, how do we embrace some of our failures and yet keep open and, 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 and celebrate the, you know, the cool new stuff that we're doing because the alternative is let the change happen. And there's probably a t-shirt out there <laughs> out there about that, but it's not, it's not one I want to wear. And I don't think most of our business people want to go, what just happened here? It happened. Yeah. We got to, we got to adapt. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stress on chambers, candidly. Mm -hmm. It's the chambers have been around since, you know, Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia put the first chamber together. So they've been around for a long, long time. Uh, and they've always been adaptable. That's, they represent their business community. So, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of the business community, even though they may not be investing in their chamber and be belonging to their chamber, are nonetheless, I think, very happy to see that chambers worked with their cities to find funding uh, and get grant monies. Because it, it, it's not that the cities don't want to help their business, but that's not the expertise. The, the ability of a chamber to really represent and advocate for that business. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about business interests yeah. of what do they mean uh, is critical and no more, no more so than, you know, all of this COVID. And I think that's a, a wake up call. But again, you know, our morning networkings are, are changing, you know, we can't get together. So that physical one-on-one -on -one interaction is now got to be uh, adapted to what? And I think we're all, we're all trying to figure that out on a fly. Mm -hmm. but. I agree. I agree. Um, so how could your city's leadership be stronger? So I, um, in, in our case, um, we have a, a, have a good relationship with, with our city. Uh, we, we work uh, wonderfully with, with staff. And candidly, um, elected leaders are, are elected. And while they are nonpartisan positions, um, the city council takes on the context or the, the overall who, who are there and what are, their, um, what are their real abilities to adapt to business. So we have a situation where, you know, the relationship ebbs and flows based on, on what's happening. You know, if it's a signed ordinance, you talk to any city and they go, I don't want to deal with a signed ordinance because it's just, you know, that's just a guaranteed lightning rod for we have to have standards about what our community looks like and we need to promote our business and there's not a lot of, but um, when, you, when you think about the uh, coming together on COVID, I think that's a great example. Um, our city was focused on taking care of their essential services and we kept knocking on the door saying, hey, we really need to, to work with this. And uh, we went to city council and they responded. Uh, so that's a great example of how it can work. The, the flip side is um, how do we anticipate what's going on? So, so the city right now has, our city of Wilsonville has some of the most industrial significant land in the metro area for development in called, what's called Coffee Creek. Uh, well, you can imagine that that's kind of like nobody knows where that, you know, where that's going uh, and how's it going to develop out. And originally the plan was to have smaller businesses, but, uh, uh, and more family, but if that's not available, then, you know, how do we, you know, how do we work together? So the transportation is a big issue. Uh, we're trying to have conversations with our smaller cities 
So when you look at Sherwood, uh, Tualatin, and, and Wilsonville, um, we have, I mean, they talk to each other as cities, but we don't have the political uh, horsepower that Hillsborough and, and Beaverton do, uh, not only because they've been at it longer, but they have a little more population. And yet, when you look at I-5 and the Queens, Queens Bridge, uh, we have more traffic than going through you know, virtually anywhere else, and yet we can't get that address because the visibility of, we're on the edge of Washington County, we're on the edge of Clackamas County, and we're the edge on Marion County right here. And so it's not like elected leaders don't remember about this, but their focus is where their denser population is. So consequently, we have a log jam here on I-5 that's, that's impacting how long it takes workers to get to jobs, whether they choose to wanna deal with that commute and what happens to you know, overall people wanting to, you know, to live in the area. So our role is to not only advocate at city, but to try to pull our business community together to say, we need to have a stronger voice to really make sure that this gets addressed while we're not on the bottom of the A pile for all the time. And it's gonna be the next project that's never seems you know, to happen. So, um, you know, our city uh, has a reputation of being pro-business. We're continually here to remind them that um, you can't live on your PR, that it's an ongoing, every single day job and challenges. And so when it comes to system development charges that are necessary to build out infrastructure, you know, can we have a dialogue about how that, you know, gets loaded, front loaded, you know, they don't want it back loaded because then they don't have the money that our, our business community doesn't want it front loaded because it discourages development. And can we have a, you know, a, a back and forth discussion. And sometimes like any other, uh, we're a pain in the neck for them. And sometimes we're their best ally, depending on what they want to get through. So it's, you know, it's a good relationship. It's a good relationship and a work in progress. And uh, it's a good dialogue. We're talking. So that's always good. That well, is good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm tre tremendously fascinated with how public policy gets made. Yeah. Because there, you know, there's so many moving parts in, in, um, you know, and a, a lot of times people have this idea that, um, people are really trying to push through their own agenda at the, um, you know, <clears throat> to benefit their own thing, but at the disadvantage of somebody else. But really, yeah. you know, it's a bunch of smart people trying to get together to solve problems yeah. that seem um, uh, very, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but that seem important in the moment. Well, and, and uh, I am very grateful that, that we have folks that step up and want to serve in city council. Um, it is a, in my mind, a thankless job because most of the time there's always people that are not happy with no matter what you're doing. And, you know, we have a, a, a terrific, terrific staff at City of Wilsonville and they do all the, the, they go out and they create all the community stuff and they come back and hopefully then council can say through that task force, yes, let's go forward. But if it's inevitably there's somebody or somebody's that we're not tied to the task force that are very vocal now and going, wait, wait, wait. And so it's very complicated. Trying to, to build a consensus is a noble and uh, laudable thing and almost impossible to achieve. So sure. it's, it's, it's very hard. Our, our constant request is that um, when it comes to public policy is that the business calculation of you know, what happens and the economic realities be considered you know, on, an, on an equal plane. And, and that's hard because in a city, let's be honest, business people don't vote unless they live in the city. So when, when you're a city council 
trying to balance, unless it's a tax on business, when you're talking about, you know, a, a development or you're talking about, uh, it's very tough sometimes to discern what is the business need here. And that's, again, the role of, of a chamber is to try and say it's not necessarily the individual property owners who are in Coffee Creek. What does, you know, what does the community want? And again, what's that economic lens to look and say, hey, what's the crystal ball over the next 10 years and, and what's that going to mean? And, you know, and good people, honest people can have disagreements, strong disagreements on, you know, on how that ends up. And it's a it's a very messy situation. I'm just uh, reading a book. Um, she was the she was the chancellor for uh, Washington D.C. Michelle and I can't remember her last name. Um, she was very uh, very innovative and in talking about education and what her experience was teaching and then trying to come and you know make a major change to what was at the time the uh, worst performing school district in in the country and all the interests that were there you know it's students first it's parents it's teachers it's administration it's you know politicians and all the rest of it and it's frankly amazing sometimes that anything gets done when you try to figure that out. So we, uh, it's, it's, it's messy, but uh, we hope that the, uh, the sausage gets made and everybody says it was a, you know, it was a reasonable attempt. And, and the public process of what happens in Wilsonville has, has always been strong. Um, our, uh, our city manager, uh, uh, Brian Hutchman, for a long time has tried to make sure that, that there's a process. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, processes get, get, get held hostage by the loudest voices at the table, but that's the nature of the system. So, you know, we're invited uh, right now. There's new arts council that's just standing up. Uh, the city just voted last week uh, for a historical vote on, <clears throat> pardon me, on an equitable housing initiative. Uh, so they spent a little over a year and timing wise, you know, when you have that discussion, there's, there was no better time to bring that that was scheduled for a vote for a couple months for, you know, for the for last week. And it was a very, uh, it was a very timely discussion for sure. Mm -hmm. As so as a business community, how could we be um, more inclusive of minority voices? Wow, you know, it's a great, um, it's a su super question. You know, we, uh, it, it was interesting because we had a discussion about equitable housing. Um, and uh, if you look out by 20, let me think, what was it? It was, it's, it's only 20 years. So I guess that's 2040. Um, in the city of Wilsonville, if I recall a stat, it was uh, the Latinx population home ownership will be closing in on, on 50%. And when you, when you think about that, um, that's fantastic. Uh, but yet on OPB on the radio this morning, they were talking about in Minnesota that um, Minnesota has had on the books some uh, basically whites only in their covenants mm -hmm. since the 1909 or whatever. And it's, and it's still on the books. And so the implication was the research and the PhD people that study that outside of politics were it's still having an impact. So even though it got off the book sort of, but the way things are, are, so we, it's above my pay grade, but I do think about it. And I wonder, you know, when we, we I don't think as, as Americans, uh, I, I believe the vast majority of Americans believe that, that our country is about uh, justice and, and freedom. And I think that this last month, um, with the Mr. Floyd has been a very practical wake up for, for at least white America to go, 
we think it was better, but we really realize now how much, you know, how much different it is. And so as, as business people, uh, it's interesting. We just had a uh, major financial institution in town tell me yesterday that they've done, uh, they've had a big focus on education for decades. And it's not like they're going to stop focusing on education, but they've said in their foundation, we need to try to figure out how to support uh, inclusion. And so that's, that's the, a very practical answer to your question, which is, you know, it's, it's not only yes, we support, but how do we help support in a, you know, in potentially a more proactive way. And, and I think that the, you know, when we look at our young professional group and that generation as a, uh, when we, so three years ago when we stood that group up and we went through a goal setting and, and more importantly, a value setting actually was the first thing we talked about. The first on their list was inclusion excuse me, it was integrity and then inclusion that, that this group had to be about, about both of those. And then it was professional, you know, personal, professional development. So it was really interesting. Uh, you know, I handed them a sheet with a hundred words on it just to give them food for thought and um, inclusion was, you know, and, and what's interesting is it was a little dated for us. There was, the word was diversity at the time and, mm-hmm. you know, diversity is, you know, it's a different, you know, it's different than, you know, than, than inclusion. So right. I think that uh, our young leaders uh, have grown up in a different world and, and understand that um, there's a lot, lot to happen. And I think that the business community, good businesses believe that they want to be in- inclusive, but um, we're also uh, in a state with, you know, with a history that's, you know, uh, not always the best either. So um, we have some stuff to, to improve on certainly. And, that's me personally. That's not my board speaking. So just to clarify. <laughs> so, yeah, well, okay. and I think it's important. I mean, we have a lot of work to do, I think, um, you know, just even looking at city charters and the language that's in them and, yeah. you know, the things that people say, oh, yeah, we need to amend that and change that. But you just don't take the time to do it. And I think right now that's, you know, one of the things that we, we need to look at as a whole is, you know, when were these bylaws less done or when, you know, when did we have these well, so um, updated? I mean, I was going through documents that said chairman and I was like, yeah. well, it should be chairperson. I'm a woman. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> um, and that, you know, does it so matter? Uh, yes, it does. Yes, it yeah. does matter. And, and I, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I said I've been married for 40 years. When Kitty and I were married, uh, we hyphenated the last name. And so on my business card, I carry Parashi O'Malley. Uh, but you know, did I co-op? I took out the hyphen because literally people, I spent the first three months of our married life saying, what was a hyphen? It's like, really? Trying to spell my name. Over the yeah. So I said, I'm going to leave it on the card. And anybody that asks me, I'm going to explain what's going on. But and I'd say maybe two out of 10 people that I hand a card to, oh, what's the Farashi? Is, you know, and I go, well, that's my wife's family. name, and, and it allows for an educational opportunity that wouldn't, wouldn't have happened otherwise. And that's, that's not big picture issues. It's, you know, it's simply a, you know, a, a, a small thing. And it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, so sometimes I get that kind of reaction, but at least they understand that it's an attempt to carry forward, uh, you know, my, my wife's family name that otherwise is, you know, there are no other, you know, there are no other children or grandchildren. So, yeah. yeah. I think well, that's great. One thing I just want to go back to, you, you know, when you um, finished your, your last kind of, answer to the last question you said that's me personally not my yes. board speaking yes. but you know I think uh, we need to become more comfortable speaking about un- uncomfortable things and um, and being willing to take take us a, a stand on stuff I think is really important and understand that you know maybe we will um, ruffle some feathers 
And maybe we will not all agree about things, but it's important to at least have some discourse on them so that it, it is not such a taboo subject to even approach subjects that seem hard. Yeah, and, and, and the interesting part of that also because is when you think about the integration for us, or, so you guys are of a different generation, but you know, when, when I talk to my children and I happen to ask you know, one of their friends or whatever, what, what, are they, you know, what are they doing, what are they working in, the number of times that my children with people that they're very friendly with go, I don't actually know. And, and generationally, the diff their separation of work to who they are is much different than, you know, than certainly my generation. And, and, and so when you start talking about leadership in as people and, and, and community members, uh, how does that business come along with it? Because there's always been this sense for a long time that the business had their PR and whatever department that, you know, was responsible for, for messaging. I mean, that's where you guys live. And yet we have social media and have for, you know, for 20, 30 years now, I guess it's when the Twitter came out, it's almost 20 some years. So yet now we have very, very important issues where you're expected not to, to have an opinion. So um, I still think it's a very tough, situation and how to land how to how to navigate that landscape and and i don't know what I, in in with your clients are you finding that's been a conversation the last couple of months that that they're trying to figure out how to step into these you know areas that maybe aren't pure business and yet you know everybody's we, thinking about yeah i think we have some that are and we have some that are not there yet but we are encouraging them to get there yeah. um and i think that that's you know it it's hard in our um, line of work because uh, we are doing messaging and things of that nature. And so we do say, we strongly recommend that you do this, or we strongly recommend that you um, make, create a statement or, or say this. Um, but it is up to the individual business owner to make those decisions. At the, at the end of the day, we, we will do what the business owner asks us to do. Um, you know, or if we don't see eye to eye enough, then I guess maybe we're not the right fit anymore. But um, so far, so far we've had really good conversation. It's been very positive. Um, most people have um, decided to, to make a statement or to start to put out more resources. Um, and then there's a couple that are still trying to figure out what their voice and everything is. But I think um, we, are, we are having good conversation and creating questions um, where they can even just look at their own um, life and, and, you know, their business and just say, okay, well, you know, where do I stand and what, yeah. what does this mean to my business and how can I articulate that to, um, clients or patients or potential clients? Yeah. And when you're talking about you, universal values, I, I think back on when, um, when Nike first, uh, got some feedback on when they were producing in Asia and producing sneakers. And it turns out that, you know, there's child labor in a, in a factory. Um, you know, they've always, for whether you like Nike products or not as a material, but they've always felt that, that as it related to their brand, that there were things that that brand stood for. And, and so for Nike, it's, you know, as a big brand or Apple that, you know, are all the brands, we understand that there is a brand identity. And yet, uh, I, I would submit, I guess that's every lacking, lacking you defining what the brand is, the business has a brand. And I think that the younger generation of employees um, and team members, that's a, that's a huge issue. So they come to work uh, and they don't leave like maybe my generation did <laughs> out, in the, out in the parking lot 
everything that they cared about and it's just it's just work there's no they are still a whole person sitting at work and if justice doesn't make sense not only on company policies but on what companies are doing uh, i believe they're going to have a hard time you know uh, maintaining uh employees and and yet that's that's a scary place for businesses to be because there are differences of opinion of how going back to to nicholas's you know public policy is very complicated and 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 the discussions are are polarizing, but yet uh, when you're talking about major things like justice and equality and things like that, I I find it's going to be hard for a business not to figure out where they come down on that and how they how they walk the talk because you know the uh, the social media doesn't allow for any any uh, gray area or any any pretending in that case, right? So mm-hmm. absolutely, and silence, you know, it's it's just not an option. So I think. Um, we've always said that people need to be marketing to a wide variety of audience um, ages and generations. Um, but that 30 something CEO is something I've always brought up um, to all of our clients um, because that's a reality. There are a lot of 30 something CEOs yeah. um, and they need to also be considered um, when you're looking at your marketing and how your messaging is, um, you know, and, and it's not about, uh, dollars and cents either. I think it's also just about what do you stand for? And every every business, every brand should stand for something. Um, so no. if they don't have a mission statement or a vision statement, now's the time for them to really look and create that. Yeah. And those those 30-something CEOs, I like to re- remember that we still, the stats show that at least before COVID-19, the millennial generation was going to be the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial generation with you know, a multiplier of exponential factor more than any time in our history. So there are lots of soon to be 30 somethings of their, of their own business. And you know, for those of us that have started businesses, you guys very successfully, you, know, you start at um, Thomas Jones, who taught out at SBDC in Oregon City uh, for 20 years or whatever, had a, a class and he would always start the class. He says, okay, in my years, there's usually two reasons that uh, somebody shows up here. It's because they believe they have a better idea or they know they can do it better than they're working for, the idiot they're working for. And so the re- reality is that whatever drives that, you know, it's a great new, you know, uh, new opportunity that nobody else sees and that's you're gonna do a startup and it's gonna be the next best thing or you go, I don't like what's happening here and I think I can do it better. I mean, that's been entrepreneurism and whether you call it startup or, hacking or any of the new terminology, it's still entrepreneur is saying, I'm going to put myself and my, you know, my, my life and all my money on the line to build something. And as, as chamber, we keep trying to ask that question, which is, you know, how do we help facilitate and, and encourage that? We've looked at co-work space and, you know, it's been very hard to find an affordable co-work space that we could bring to be an entrepreneurial because we're out in the suburbs with uh, newer buildings where, you know, the, 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 the landlords and, and building developers have a higher, you know, higher cost and a, and a higher, but yet those businesses need to start somewhere and we don't want them to go to Southeast Portland. Nothing against Southeast Portland that's listening. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> but we'd like to keep some of that out here uh, because we'd like to, you know, we'd like to, to incubate it and, and grow it. So it's a, it's a big opportunity for all of us as, you know, as this area is to say, hey, uh, people found out they don't want to have to commute and spend a lot of their life in a, in a car uh, unless they're free to choose. If that's what they like, great. But, you know, how do you be able to stay close? We have great 
you know, schools in, in Wilsonville, Westland. And somebody who moved out here, moved out here because they wanted to live here and they wanted schools and raise their family. How do we make it easy for them to put their, plant their business here? So if they want to take the break at lunchtime and go see the kid or, 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 or to watch a play or do any of the cool stuff with creative children like you guys have, then it's great. You know, they don't have to go, well, I can't do that because it's an hour in and an hour back and I can't take that much out of my day. So uh, we're going to have some fun trying to try to figure that part out uh, again yeah. for a creative challenge. Well, I, you know, I think the recipe for young entrepreneurs is really good right now because, um, you know, the tools that we have are better than ever. Mm-hmm. And so many businesses, so many small businesses are closing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's uh, such a high unemployment rate that, you know, for young entrepreneurs to start right now, they have the levelest playing field they will have in their lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're not making a lot of money, you don't have to make a lot of money. And that makes it much easier for the young entrepreneur to persevere, which is something I did for many years. Yes. <laughs> we'll just persevere. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Was it pushing the rock up the up the hill? Or in my case, I always felt it was like a wet linguine. It would just like stick, and you could never get it up the hill on some days. Well, it, that's actually a fun thing to talk about among our our chambers. Is could we create um, some type of of a of a community to help those um, those young or those startup entrepreneurs? Let me put it that yeah. way. It, it mm-hmm. may be somebody that's. It's saying, you know what, I, it's time for me to change, change my career. And, and the, uh, the opportunity to start a business, uh, you guys have done it. You've, you've walked it. Uh, you've added employees. You've built uh, uh, to create uh, great jobs. And uh, it's not only a passion project. It becomes a very, you know, it's, it's hard work. And, and uh, there's a lot of un, uncertainty and being able to know that there's a community for that. So, I mean, again, we have downtown, there's, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial network and, and others, but uh, again, uh, we think there's an opportunity out here to, to try to try to do that. And uh, starting businesses is a ton of fun in my mind. Um, developing it and growing it can be fun. And some days it's, it's, it's a bit of a like, wow, but uh, you do it because of the rewards. And I think that um, having that, that community to, to help uh, bounce things off is, you know, is a help. And as Nicholas said, the resources, I mean, I can remember advertising was yellow pages. You know, that, was, mm-hmm. that was when I started out. And the funny thing is it was not cheap, you know, when you looked at what it really was. Uh, but, you know, and you, and you look at um, all the, the electronic tools, you look at something like Microsoft team that allows you to collaborate on, you know, on, an, on a very effective basis, you know, with anybody in the world, it's a, it's, it's an exciting time. And um, I, you know, that's the nature of entrepreneurial spirit is creating something that wasn't there and uh, finding a way to, you know, to execute. So uh, pretty fun. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think we're at our last question for you. Um, okay. So, uh, this is a leadership podcast. We've been talking about leadership for the last couple of weeks. Uh, what are the top three traits you admire in a leader? Um, top three. Uh, I'd I start with in- integrity. Um, that there's got to be a belief that, that what you say is, is truth and, and, and that you're there and um, that that truth doesn't, doesn't migrate. With circumstances, circumstances may change, but 
but the the integrity part of it you know doesn't change um we kind of chat a little bit on and off but i i still think that that real leaders true leaders let me put it that way are embrace a culture of innovation i think that's probably the most the biggest takeaway i've had a chance to uh, um, been blessed to have a couple of businesses and worked with a lot of, of businesses over my career because of the businesses I was in. And when I look at it, the, those leaders were were people that they themselves embraced innovation and, and all that all the messiness that that meant. So they created an open environment. They uh, recognized that there were going to be uh, failures, and and they embraced the failures and they supported you know the people and. Most importantly, um, I think great leaders, uh, we think they build you know, teams and stuff like that, but what they really do is I think they support the continued learning and growth of their people uh, because the, the great leaders aren't trying to you know, move people into whatever. They're trying to create an environment that allows that person to blossom and to, and to flourish, and that means if they're continuing to, to learn, um, that's that's going to happen. So I, I'd say the the culture of innovation. I think the integrity uh, and creating that environment, uh, that ethos that says we're all as good as we continue to to grow, and that that's an online an ongoing expectation uh, when you're part of part of a team that we're going to encourage you. Which means that they have to embrace failure because learning is. We have children, and you know. They run and they fall and they start to you know, get up again. I mean, that the whole culture of, of leadership is really about embracing that and saying, "Hey, you can do this," and and uh, uh, let's uh, let's let's have some fun. I love that. Yeah, I you know I um, uh, here between us, between Megan and I, we talk about this all the time. We we have this quest to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, we did this exercise with each other on a previous podcast where we kind of revealed our top three traits. Mine were decisiveness. Okay. Because, uh, re- you know, I really just want a leader to be able to make a decision, you know, like be able to take a stand yeah. and do it. And then my next one was flexibility because I wanted somebody to be hum- humble enough mm-hmm. to understand that uh, they could make a choice and realize it's the wrong one. And then walk it back and try something different, you know, like embracing failure. Like you said, I, you know, I think, uh, people get, get, uh, paralyzed by all the choices that they have. And so to make one and then see how it goes and then try something else, we've we've lost and a lot of times flexibility gets mistaken for weakness. Um, when I think that could be a really big strength actually is that, you're not tied to anyone. You're not emotionally tied to any one methodology. You just want something that works. Smart. Smart. And then my number one was empathy because I just, I just feel like people are so quick to anger mm-hmm. that um, there is very, it's very difficult for you to understand where someone's coming from or try to understand. So if you can commit to trying to understand where somebody has uh, an opinion that's different than yours. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we'd all be better served for that instead of disagreeing and having it um, escalate into anger and resentment, yep. which happens yep. so well, frequently. Very, very well said. There's, there's all the popular stuff being written about emotional intelligence, but when you read through it, it it's really the foundation of it is, is empathy. If you don't have empathy, there's, 
not a lot of emotional intelligence that can happen out of that, no matter what other things you want to talk about. And, and, uh, you know, as I, and I, and I believe that, that people have to work. I mean, that's the nature and, you know, unless they're independently wealthy and, mm-hmm. uh, but they always will. I mean, every study says it's, it's not about really the pay or whatever else it's about, you know, the work environment, which comes back to, mm-hmm. you know, how are they made to, to feel? And in, in an empathetic situation where you've got an empathetic leader who is hopefully, you know, uh, modeling that behavior and saying that's, um, that's important. It's like, you know, we, you know, well, I can't say this. Here's, here's, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. I can't say that exactly, but the point would be that we all are human beings is what I'm trying to get at and yeah. say that, you know, um, you know, the, the, the empathy is, is important and certainly, uh, as, as you said, it was in, in the anger and all the, the frustration of, of, uh, of, of time that's going on right now, the time that we're in, it's, you know, em- empathy's there. And, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, of uh, feeling like, you know, what's, when do we get back to normal again? And uh, you got to accept that person where they are right now. And, and, and I, I, <clears throat> right now, um, we don't have a lot of employees as a, as a chamber, but I look at our companies that do and you know the ability to accept the employees where they are because they can't get you know child care they can't do whatever mm-hmm. starts starts mm-hmm. with an empathetic understanding like it's not like they chose to have this COVID it's not like they Absolutely. can do like so you know and back to you know the flexibility to go okay what do we do how do we make some accommodations and still recognize that I got to accept where you are and and we still got a job to do and but that all comes because we both can appreciate where the other person is or else it's not really, it's not really fun. But mm-hmm. I think if you really ch- check into why <clears throat> I said that, that Dr. Uh, Jones said there were two main reasons for starting a business, I think that that empathy is underneath all of that is that if they weren't in an environment where they felt uh, that they were heard and that they were valued, which is, 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 is empathy, then, I'm going to go do my own thing because this is not, Mm -hmm. you know, this is not a good fit. And I will say to the credit of the much maligned millennials, uh, and I don't use that word very often because they hate that word, but of that generation, um, I think they have a lot to to show every other generation is that they don't put up with that kind of stuff. They just believe that life is too short and whether it's, you know, badly acting bosses or whatever else, they're, they don't need to accept that. That's not part mm-hmm. of the, they didn't sign up for that. So while yep. they are empathetic, like I get that you're, <laughs> you're a little bit whacked out of here, but I don't, <laughs> that's not, that shouldn't be my problem. And, and I think that makes for a much better employee because there's less BS in the work environment. And mm-hmm. candidly, less BS is always a good thing in my well, world. Well, and that, that kind of uh, works into mine. So mine are um, transparency. I believe that it's really okay. important for there to be transparency in leadership. Um, I also believe that leaders should be collaborative. Um, So there shouldn't be anything that a leader wouldn't be willing to do or willing to model to show others to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, really it's a level playing field. Sure, you might be in charge, but you're also part of the team. And I think it's really important for leaders to not get that, you know, kind of holier than thou uh, opinion of themselves. Top top down kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. But also, you know, empower your team to do things um, 
so that you, you know, the benefits of having a team is that you can do much more than an individual person can. And you have lots of specializations. And if you could be collaborative in those things and not just try to hold them so tightly, um, you could, you could grow much faster than if you. Yeah. Or, and then, and then I can't remember my third one, Nicholas. Can you remember yeah. my third? Yes, I do. <laughs> you always forget this one. This was your number one. I know it's my number one, and I forget it every time. Sorry, right. one. It's good. It's a good passion. passion. Yes, passion. You can see, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I feel that it's important for someone to be passionate, and that's how I usually know when it's time for me to step out of a leadership position is if I've lost that passion or I just don't have the fire I had. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that every good leader um, needs to have passion and fire for what they're doing and really, you know, a desire to um, guide change. Cause I believe that change is always happening. Mm -hmm. um, it's whether or not we embrace it and, um, and help take it to the next level. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's important for people to have passion in what they do. Yeah. And, and, and that's, do you think from, from a passion standpoint, um, is passion, uh, does passion have different volume levels? I mean, cause, cause uh, sometimes it seems to me that people, you know, if you're not a, you know, a rah-rah cheerleader, then, you know, that's what, what passion is. And oh, no, no. I think it has different levels, but, but if you don't have a vision and passion for what you're doing, you know, if, if it doesn't excite you, um, you know, then I feel like that's probably, you've probably done what you came to do. Yeah. Um, whatever that might be. And so it's time for you to step aside and allow someone next. with a little bit more passion <laughs> yeah. to step in and do the next thing. I, yeah. And yeah. And so I think, um, you know, people often say, cause I've, I go around to different things. I, I have kind of the thing that I'm involved in and then I go to the next thing, you yeah. know, and I kind of move along. Um, and people say, Oh, why don't you just stick with something for like 30 years? And it's well, because I grower. wouldn't have the passion for 30 years. That Megan, would be the definition of the entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Megan is passionate about helping people and growing things. Yeah. And once she's grown them, you know, like, uh, like the Relay for Life, mm -hmm. you know, she took this event. I use this all the time, but it's so, it's so perfect for an example. Mm -hmm. She took this event that was making $25,000 a year, really struggling to get turnout. And she turned it into this $100,000 annual event with you know like <clears throat> uh, she i think we had like 35 teams last year and the track was full and everybody knew about it and that was it's amazing it's an amazing cause but after that where is there to grow and so then you hand it off to somebody who can take it you know who's passionate about it at that point yep. and do something else where you can take something small and make it big yeah mm -hmm. yep yep and and with COVID, they're doing it all virtual this year. And I, you know, even though I am in technology, I certainly wouldn't have been, um, you know, the passion person to, to lead that, I think. Um, you know, it, it is, you know, I think it's just in the right hands. And yeah. so everything happens for a reason when it's supposed to happen. Um, yeah. And it's a belief I have. Um, so, you know, even if we're on hard, in hard times, um, which we are right now, um, there's still, there's always, you know, the next thing, um, and growing and changing and adapting. And, um, in the end, the ones that do are the most successful yeah. and the ones that don't just won't. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. This was a we joy. so appreciate great. your time and we love, uh, you know, I, I always just, uh, really like talking to you because, you know, it's the conversations are really fascinating and interesting and fulfilling to me. We, we had a great conversation and uh, I'm 
very grateful that you guys suggested it uh, because you know the opportunity to talk about big picture 30,000 foot particularly when we're all trying to to deal with the day-to-day -day, uh, keeps us energized and keeps us focused that uh, we can do better uh, uh, and better may not be more <laughs> I'm just saying better absolutely so, yeah uh, and how can people get a hold of you sure uh, so the uh, Kevin at wilsonvillechamber.com uh, is the best email address and uh, the published phone number right now because we're in and out of the office uh, is 503-682-0411 but uh, cell phone uh, folks are, are happy to use that and the cell is 503-577-7111. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and uh, peace and prosperity to you both. Thanks it. so much. Enjoyed it. Right. it was a lot of fun. Thank Thanks again. Right. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share it with a friend. Follow us on the socials. At Edge One Media. At This Is Nicholas DeSalvo. Or at Megan DeSalvo. 